answering your tough financial questions for the past 26 years. It's Allworth's Money Matters with co-hosts Scott Hansen and Pat McLean. Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen. Pat McClain. Glad you are with us today, both myself and my co-host here. We are both financial advisors, certified financial planner, charter financial consultant. We spend our weekdays with people like yourself. We broadcast our program on the weekends to be your financial advisors on the air. And uh, it's always good to have you with us. Uh, our, you'll, if you've been a listener for a while, you know most of the topics we um, uh, talk about are retirement-related issues when it comes to finances and making sure things are structured well with your finances. And we cover things all the way from investments, 401ks, IRAs, we, how do you create a retirement income stream, uh, mortgages, reverse mortgages, insurances, Con- Roth conversions, long-term care, taxes, Everything that has to do with that sounds pretty exciting. Minor estate planning. People are starting to change. Yeah. <laughs> drop the program now. Like, oh, oh. God. I thought this was the I cr- gardening show. I thought this was the crop report. <laughs> the crop report. You ever listen to the crop report? I have. No, I don't listen to it. Uh, yeah. It runs early morning. I have tremendous respect for farmers. Oh. I have zero desire to be one. Oh, it, it would less it, than zero. It is. It's quite. That is a hard business. Oh. I mean, you can imagine the volatility of your the, the price for your product. I would think you manufacture a product, and then you don't you're not even sure what kind of price you're going to get for it. Yes, every year it changes dramatically. Yes, and as do the inputs. Yes, the cost of fuel. Oh yeah, labor, machinery. Anyway, yeah. I think probably the worst business to be right in right now would be restaurants or ski resorts, or hotels, or <laughs> or <laughs> well, ski resorts are open. Yes. The restaurants. Yeah. My heart breaks for... I tell you what. Every state is different. I have a friend in Miami sent me this thing. He was at a a party, a restaurant. It was... It's like... It would look. It was look like 2018. I mean, people were running around. Every state is completely different. We're in the state of California. Yeah. We're not going to talk about... Yes. ...those issues, because this is a financial program and... For whatever reason, it all became politicized. So we don't yes, want to go down that no. path. It's well, the corona is real. I, I tell mean, you, um, and I we will do takeout food to go. And then now in the area of of California where we reside, you can go to restaurants outside. And it's California, so there's decent weather some nights. And I I I am so grateful to the people that are still showing up working because they weren't working a couple weeks ago. Now they're back working again. And I, I I tip very well, and even on to go food, I tip very well, and I I just feel I feel bad for oh, those. It's terrible. Yeah. Why are we talking about it? it's depressing? Okay, let's let's, uh, say, let's talk financial <laughs> numbers. Let's. Why don't we start off with the calls? Make it make it a little more interesting. If you want to be part of our program, we'd love to take your call uh, to join us. It's uh, toll free eight three three ninety nine worth. That'll get you on all worth's money matters eight three three ninety nine worth or um, Numerically, it's 833-999-6784. Also, I know that uh, many, we have actually, I think, more podcast listeners than we have uh, radio um, program listeners. And if, you're, if you'd like to schedule uh, a time to be on our program, you can also email us at questions at moneymatters.com. Again, questions at moneymatters.com, and um, someone will get back to you and schedule a time when, when we are in the studio recording radio calls. And... Um, We'll take your call that way. We'd love to do so. So again, it's uh, new, it's the telephone number is eight three three ninety nine worth, and the email is questions at moneymatters.com. And we're starting in Northern California, talking with Sue. Sue, you're with All Worth's Money Matters. Hi guys, love your show, and and thanks for taking my call. And my sentiments are with you a hundred percent about the restaurants. Oh, it's yeah. rough. Um, <laughs> Luckily, up here in uh, the Sacramento greater area, a lot of them are open in in door dinings. But anyways. I don't think they're um, supposed to be, my, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> I know. It's those, those rebels that we love. Yeah. Um, 
So my question is, my kids, their grandmother gave them $13,000 each for a Christmas present. Um, and they, right now, it's just in a sitting in a bank account. So where should we put that money? How old are your kids? 15. And what do you think they're going to do with the twins money? Twins or triplets? What do you have? Yep, trips. You do you really? Oh my gosh. A good guess, Scott. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> well, I was going to say twins, and I thought, you know, I might as well just lay triplets every once in a while. It does happen. Yeah. Um, wow. Throw it out there. 15. Boys wow. or girls? Two boys and a girl. Oh, that has got to be interesting. Um, oh, it's really great. We're lucky. <laughs> I can only imagine the first 12 months. <laughs> yeah, um, that was probably the toughest. Yeah. <laughs> ignorance, ignorance is bliss. Uh, well. So what do you think the intent of these monies will be? How do you think they'll be spent if they will be spent? I know. That's hard to say because they might want to use some of it for a car. Um, one of them has money already, some money f- saved up for a car from playing Fortnite of all things. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> Isn't that funny? <laughs> Isn't it great? No, it is funny because he's got both stimulus checks too. Oh, is isn't that great. awesome? <laughs> isn't that is, that's so good. Cause it's so bad. We know Wait a minute. Still, is he not a dependent? He is a dependent. It didn't matter. But he had to file taxes for winning a couple thousand dollars last year. Uh, yeah. And so he got, he, we looked at his uh, checking account. And he's like, Mom, why do I have that this money? I said, I have no. Yeah, I'm, all, I'm all for um, uh, people that have been impacted through this pandemic, restaurants. Like, if, if the agree. government's going to shut things down, then the government can also step aside and help those that need it. But like when I hear about forgetting the money way, for Fortnite, yeah, Susan Granite Bay. Oh. Granite Bay is not exactly a, a low-income neighborhood in South, <laughs> it's in, very in, nice in, in California. <laughs> it's very, it's very nice. But Sue. Not to one up you, my son. Not to one up. But here you go. But here, I have a son that was in college working on campus. Was laid off because of the pandemic. His state unemployment was eighty four dollars a week. His federal unemployment was six hundred dollars a week. This kid has never made more money in his whole entire life. Get out! So he's oh getting six hundred eighty four dollars a week for a period of time. And he said to me. He said, it, now explain the economics of why I should go back and get a job, Dad. <laughs> you said that's exactly why we pay all these taxes. Exactly. <laughs> because of things like this. So do you, do you think they'll use it for college? Do they need it for college? No, they don't need, they don't need it for college. And is Grandma, two questions on this. One, will, will Grandma likely do this every year? Because t- typically it's you have a larger state and you're trying to get some money out of the state. Will she do this every year? Right. And and maybe as more importantly, like what are her thoughts of how these dollars should be spent? She, I don't think she really has a concern of how they're spent other than, you know, just not frivolously. Um, she actually did it this year just before Biden got into office because she was worried about tax consequences. So she gave it to all of her grandkids. Um, I don't know that she'll do it, Got it. Yep. next year. Um, but versus just sitting in a savings account, we yeah. just wondered if there was something well, we could do that, that would help it grow. If it was long term, and that's mm-hmm. five plus years, I'd buy the S and P five hundred. Five plus S and P. And if I wasn't sure, I'd actually buy half mm-hmm. the S and P five hundred and keep the other half in the bank. Okay. For the one okay. that has that's been great. making money great. on gaming, whatever yeah. his. <laughs> <laughs> it's a strange world. Whatever uh, his net income was for 2020, he can make a Roth IRA conversion. Contribution. Contribution, I'm sorry. Contribution. He's got up until April 15th to do so. And uh, that, thank you, Scott. Oh. I was going to follow up with that. So any of their Roth income. Roth IRA contribution. Okay. And the more, I mean. For the, what he made in 220. That's, that's right. That's right. The, he the, can go the up to six grand. Is it six grand or 6,500 last year for IRA contribution? Something like that. How much did he make? Uh, she said a couple thousand, right? I think he made like um, probably three thousand total. Yeah, so he could yeah. put a hundred percent in, hundred percent of his income. Okay. In in there, so he should up do that, to, and that to, should up to six grand. Up to six grand, he should do that for oh, okay. uh, and buy the S and P five hundred. And if I was a total uns- stock market, 
Uh, even better. I would do total stock market index. By the total stock market index. That's going to be long, long, long-term money. And so for the, 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 yeah, for the kids you don't know, you split the difference. Mm-hmm. Half in bank, okay, half in the S&P. And you might want to do something like depending. It's not. It's not. It's. It's not easy um, trying to teach your kids financial principles and discipline when you live in a somewhat affluent society, right? So, like. Um, well, I mean, what, it's, what, we're not roll. We we don't roll in money. I, I'm not. So. I didn't assume that. Just relative. <laughs> I, my guess. Okay. Relative to the the typical middle class family today you. is much different than it was 30 years ago or 50 years ago. Um, but one thing you could do, you could say, look, we'll use some of these dollars for your car, but it'll be matched dollar for dollar of what you're going to contribute. Or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. We've offered that. Yep. These are great. I love the Roth IRA. The wait, that is, yes. That's yeah. right. That's right. And yeah. then you could also use the uh, 529 plan. It's for education when the money's used for their college expenses. But they're 15. What do you mean? She, she doesn't think they're going to need to use the money for education. And they, the tax deferral yeah, on that is such a short period of time. Of. Why would you bother? Not. Yeah, I don't mean to be argumentative, but I am right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would just split the – if I was uncertain, I'd put half of it, if Scott was correct, in the total market. And then the other half I'd leave in cash. And, and as they, any of them have any jobs, any sort of uh, wage income, convert those dollars – or no, I shouldn't not, – it's not technically conversion, but take some of those dollars saved or invested in the SP5 or total stock market fund and put that uh, into Roths. Okay. So if one Every of them year. gets a job at uh, Chick Fil A next year and earns three thousand dollars, then you can say right, we're going to take three thousand of, do- of your dollars and we put it into a Roth IRA. It's amazing how they start compounding over time, and then there'll be a time when they're down the road and they're like, "Oh man, there's a lot of money saved up in here." And they can oh, always no, take I out their into- they can always take out their contributions without any tax uh, limitations or I- impact. Uh, any of the earnings need to stay there until their retirement age. Oh, wow. Okay. All righty. Great information. All right. Well, thank you guys so uh, right. much. Thanks, really Sue. appreciate it. Take all care. Right. Take care. Glad Bye-bye. you called, Sue. I had a friend uh, whose um, son, he was he made over hundred grand in um, in high school on YouTube. He was, was he doing tutorials on how to play video Correct. games? Correct. Yes. And he had a bunch of followers. Yeah. And over hundred grand. In one year? Yes. Oh, yeah. He was an indoor kid. <laughs> he was that year, that's for sure. But the challenge, he was um, 17 at the time, 18. Like, his dad says, you need to get an account. You need to have some money set up. I talked to the kid, like, save 40% of whatever comes in. I know, what do you mean? get that kind of money kid, in right? 17, so, right? Uh, it ended up not working. I mean, it, it, it was not helpful for him. It made it worse. Long term, it might be good, but it wasn't. It, it, I mean, just some of the choices made as a result. He was were he not, driving around like in a BMW or a Hummer or something like that? He had a Land Rover. Okay, well, that's uh, it. Yeah. But actually, my friend said it turned out to be the best thing he made because when he, that, at the that end of the day, it's, all, it's the only thing he had left when it was said and done. And then uh, everything else was. It helped go pay uh, the part of his tax bill until oh. he was able to uh, get a. Because that $100,000 didn't continue year after year after no, year. No. It just reminds me, I lived across the street. The house I live in now, the people lived across the street. And I was talking to the lady, like we had lived there for two years. And she had mentioned her kids. And I said, you have kids. She goes, well, they're not really mine. They're stepkids. And then she explained it to me. And I said, I've never seen them. And she said, well, they're indoor kids. I, said, I remember you tell me that. I said, "What's an indoor? Is it like an indoor cat where they never go outside?" We have one. Of those. <laughs> we have an indoor cat. Yeah. Uh, so she said that she described her stepchildren as indoor kids, and I said, "Because I've never seen them." And she said, "There's a good chance you'll never see them. They just leave the house, get in the car, or I drive them to school, and then they come and they go back in the house." And I said, "Oh, okay. Well, is this family still together? I don't. They move. That doesn't sound like a very healthy way to view <laughs> your." Stepkids, my goodness. Maybe a little family counseling would be helpful there. Yeah, stepkids, you'd <laughs> you're, call them indoor kids. You're ripping kids. on your 
Step kids, that does not sound healthy. All right, uh, eight three. We are way off topic. Eight three three ninety nine worth is to be part of the program. By the way, if you haven't been to our website in a while, allworthfinancial.com. We've got some great um, information there on retirement. Uh, we've got our whole learning library where you can go through and some uh, great courses to take on retirement topics. If you're looking for information on uh, Social Security time and Roth conversions or just even how do you structure yourself? How, are you ready for retirement? Do you have enough money so you're not going to outlive your retirement? Allworthfinancial.com has got a lot of great resources on there. and encourage you to check it out if you haven't in a while. Let's go to the phones. Talk to Alejandro. Alejandro, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hi, Scott. Hi, Pat. How you guys doing today? We're great. Thank you. Uh, thank you guys for taking my call. Uh, so I'm uh, 33 years old. I work for uh, a law enforcement department uh, here in Sacramento County. And uh, we're one of the law enforcement departments that actually pay into Social Security. Uh, we have our pension as well. We have uh, I'm a 2.7 at 57. And I guess my question is, uh, is my pension going to like knock out my social security in the future uh, with the windfall elimination. Not if you're contributing. You guys- the windfall elimination occurs oh. when people are not contributing to social security. And they had contributed at some point in the past. So it typically okay. applies okay. to in the, what you see it mostly is in the state of California is teachers, not administrators, but teachers. And even that varies okay. from All district right. to district. But 2.7 at age 57, what may knock out your Social Security is changes in tax law or changes mm-hmm. in uh, how they measure your need for Social Security. So you're talking 24 okay. years in the future. Well, how old are you today? Yep. It's 33. 33. Uh, so you're talking about yeah, it's a, it's 24 ways away. <laughs> years until not, you retire. No, plan your retirement for no Social Security. Plan your retirement as if you're not going to get a dime in Social Security. Yeah, that's my thoughts. I figured Social Security would just be a cherry on top. Yeah, I put into uh, I put into my Roth, and then I'm opening a Roth IRA. But uh, and then I have my pension, of course. Um, yeah, I just figured Social Security would be yeah. a bonus on top. Uh, but I, I I had heard that there was an option of opting out of Social Security. Is that something that's even possible, or is that just? It's not by an individual, and that time has passed years and years ago. This is uh, a okay. little archaic okay. to the state of California. Certain departments at the state of California decided to opt out. But not all did. Okay. So if your department did not opt out, um, then yeah, all so, of Sacramento County's uh, law enforcement, I guess, still pays. Still that's security. right. That's right. And so you've got 32 years before you actually are eligible for Social Security under the current rules, mm-hmm. age 65. But I expect that it will be 67 or 68 or 69 by the time you get there, and you're retirement eligible at age uh, 57. So. Obviously, you've got some time in there. Are you in the? Are you frontline law enforcement? Are you in the street? Yes, sir. Yeah, thank I'm, you. I'm a thank you. cop. Thank oh, you. Thank, thank you. you. It is a tough, 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 tough job right now. Um, I have a, a yeah, friend. <laughs> I have a friend yeah. that recruits for uh, law enforcement, and it, they're they're struggling to get people uh, to join the force uh, for yep, two I've reasons. Yeah, I've heard of a lot of people retiring early because of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah because of what's thing. going on in the yeah. world. Well, we appreciate you being there. Yeah, we would be a world of hurt thank you very without much. Um, without people like yourself. So thank you and appreciate the call. Yeah, what would the <laughs> what, what what we'll we'll see we'll see we'll what, see what 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 it's like without as much law enforcement. The, the, the some of the experiments in different cities will tell us how it's going to work here in the next year or two. And Social if you're young. Social Security, the, the trust fund's going to be broke by 2030, 2031, 2032, depending on... It's not very many years. It's nine years out now before we're going to... We don't have enough money coming in to to cover those expenditures. If you're 20 years away from Social Security, plan on it not being there for you. You have to. You have to. Yeah, because the reality is if you actually make a good living and save well, there will be uh, most likely there will be needs based testing and, in order to determine who, what's who knows really what's going to happen. But you're, you're better off to plan like it's not going to be there. And if you get something great. But plan like there will be no. Um, there will be no Social Security coming in because that's. Yeah, and speaking of that, of Social Security, uh, it's ab- about planning for retirement, 
The outlook for financial security for workers aged 30 to 59 deteriorated in the year 2020. So this is a sediment uh, scoring that the Boston College has done year over year over year. And Boston College has done a good job on retirement studies and for whatever reason they're one. But this is, and the reason I bring this up is because this is Alejandro was 33, relatively new in his career, falls into this 30 to 59 age, as do I, as does Mr. Hansen. But 51% of households now have, they have a feeling that they're not going to be able to maintain their standard of living in retirement. And that's up slightly from the year 2019, which was 49%. How many, so 51% believe they're not going to be able to maintain their standard of living in retirement. What percentage of current retirees can't maintain their standard of living they had pre-retirement? Probably that. <laughs> if not more, right? Yeah, probably that. So there's two ways to do to address this. One is change your standard of living in, well, before retirement or save more, which would require you to change your standard of living before retirement. You know, here's an interesting thing, that we, and I don't see a lot written on this, but here's what we've witnessed as being in this industry for 30 years. Here's a very typical situation, right? A typical situation, there's going to be a man and a woman having children. <laughs> typical situation, most of the time married, husband and wife married. Kids uh, during the workplace, either uh, one of the spouses isn't working full time or isn't working at all, or there's a lot of other expenditures. With or there's daycare. a big differentiation in incomes. Then there's uh, the kids that go off to college of some sort or trade schools. So there's a lot of expenditures. But then the time comes when the kids are pretty much gone. They might still be living at home or back and bouncing back and forth, but, but they're not costing the parents much at all anymore. That's number one. Number two, typically people are at their highest wage time. In, in their, their 50s. Let's say their 50s, right? Their highest wage time. And oftentimes, people's standard of living will increase, sometimes dramatically, during their 50s and early 60s as they're preparing for retirement. When it really should either stay the same or decrease. Depending on how much they have saved for retirement or whatnot. Correct. And not that retirement's some nirvana that we all need to shoot for, but look... Roughly half of us are going to retire earlier than we had planned because of a health issue, a change in our job situation, right? We all know people that it's occurred to. That could be you as well. So making sure you're prepared for retirement is important. But we've certainly seen a lot of people who have increased their standard of living. They haven't saved as much as they should. Now it's like a double whammy when they go to retire because – now, instead of trying to replace 70000 of income, now we're trying to place 110000 or whatever the number is. Scott, I, it, when you say this, it reminds me of a client years and years, still a client of the firm years and years ago. They retired from one job in their mid-50s and started receiving a pension, went back and took another job that was of the same pay the job they left. So their income went up by, uh, you know, went from, let's say, 100000 to one hundred and $80,000 overnight. And they were intent on spending every dime of that. And I told them, I said, you know, my guess is you're going to, you, you're going to probably go out and buy yourself a $5,000 grill and a big hot tub and put a new pool in and travel more and buy new cars and put some debt on it. I said, this is a dangerous thing. And they started laughing. And they said, I said, what are you laughing? They said, ah, we already bought the barbecue and we're at the, we're going to the spa place tomorrow to look for the hot tubs. And we have already booked the trips. I said, this is a dangerous, dangerous place you're getting to, which is you're increasing your standard of living before an ultimate retirement date, in which case you're going to have to decrease your standard of living. So what we really should do is just keep it the same and pretend that extra income was never, ever there and save more of it for retirement. And there was a reset. That's what we ended up doing with them. And they've retired comfortably, you know, four years, five years in the future. But this windfall wasn't going to last forever. And what I didn't want them to do is increase their standard of living only to be disappointed in retirement. And that's your point. We've seen that a number of times. That's why I think the planning as you're going 
as you're approaching retirement, that planning for your retirement shouldn't happen like a year before you retire or six months before you retire or a month before you retire. Really like several years out prior to retirement. But people really start taking it uh, seriously, I think, when they're in their 50s. They save and save and save and save and save. Most good savers will save or people that are worried about the future. And then in their 50s, they start well, counting I mean, our, our own firm, our average age of a new client is 57 years old. Yes. And most people come to us for retirement planning. We have roughly 13,000 clients spread out across the country. And people come to us to help with help the overall financial planning going into retirement. I think that's probably typical for a lot of people when they're Yes, there. just where they're at in the life cycle. But if you find yourself, if that kind of res this story just resonated with you, maybe a good time to get a good financial advisor. Sometimes just even having a, a, an independent person being able to say, here's where the new guardrails need to be. And here's what you need to be saving it is uh, will be helpful for you and get you just help us. It's worth the time and energy. Absolutely. We're going to take a quick break. When we return, we'll take some of uh, your calls again. 833-99-WORTH is the number. You're listening to All Worth's Money Matters. Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call. To join Allworth's Money Matters, call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome back to Allworth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen. Pat McLean. Uh, to be part of the program, 833-99-WORTH is the number. Join our show. You sound pretty excited about it. <laughs> if, you're wanna, if you're not doing anything. <laughs> where's, the young where's the young, enthusiastic Scott Hanson that we all used to know and love? I'm still, well, I'm not young. I'm still enthusiastic. It's funny. I, was on a, I, I, I really enjoy mountain biking. I enjoy, I, enjoy, I enjoy being around people and I enjoy being active. And if I could do those things, two things together, I really have a great time. That's just me. But I was, I, I was riding the other day with my buddy who's about 50. And, and I said, you know what I like about mountain um, one of the things I like, I said, I look in the mirror in the morning and I see this old guy and I get out of the trails and I feel like a kid again. And the 50 year old then crushed you up a hill, didn't he? No. No, you beat him? I'm, I'm about the same age at 54. Oh, I thought you were older. 54, 50, what is yeah. this? I have been right now. Well, the other day we passed about 15 people. No one passed up, passed along. Oh, look kids. at you. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's important. That's an important thing. <laughs> Look at I was so much better than those people. I don't even know. <laughs> Plenty of people can crush me out on the trails. I'll tell you that much. Yes. Anyway, I, why did I bring that up? I don't know. Let's you go. said something about young and enthusiastic, yes. and I get a little glimpse of yeah, age. Yeah, and you were. Uh, you were I feel you were coming fortunate. to your own defense. Which very was fortunate. I can very nice. And I am uh, excited about this program because it's a fantastic show. It is. Frankly, we've been doing this for twenty-five years. In part as a way for, I shouldn't say giving back. I don't even like that term. But it's like, obviously, it's been good for business over the years. It's good for our brand recognition and stuff. No, there's question. no question about it. No question. But it's also, I feel good about it because there's a lot of people that will not come see a financial advisor for a variety of reasons or don't have the financial resources to see a financial advisor or don't don't know who whom to trust or whatnot. And I think we're this is a great. Yeah, it's a forum. It's a yeah. nice forum. And you listen long enough, you're going to learn a lot. The so, hope. That's our hope. Well, if not, that's your fault. Well, we don't know what their baseline to start with is. If someone's been listening for 25 years. They probably learned a, a I would bit. hope so. I know I have. <laughs> listen to yourself? <laughs> I did listen to myself a couple weeks ago. I listened to the show. My daughter did it. We did a video. She's a class representative for her class. They had to do a little video, COVID. You know. Who do they represent? The class. To who? She goes to, they're actually in person. Um, who is she representing the class to? The administration? The student, student counselor. Uh, okay. So they had a fourth grade, fourth grade class representative. And so they had to do a little video. So I did a little video with her. It took her, you know, about 10 times or something to get it pretty good. And then, you know, I tried playing it back to her. She couldn't. That doesn't sound like me at all. I think it does sound like When me. did this happen? Uh, like a week ago. Oh. She, she. She's 10, fourth grade. And uh, 
so they had the video. I guess there were like seven kids that were going to go for this class votes on him. Yes. But they were supposed to do a video. Well, only two kids did a video. She did a video, and some other guy did a video. And she comes home. She says, oh, "Yeah, I think I, I think I've, I'm going to win." The, it's like, well, why do you? Why do you know? She says, "Well, well, I know every girl's going to vote for me." I said, "Well, how do you know that?" I asked him. <laughs> I said, "What do you mean you asked him?" <laughs> oh yeah. I said, "You like walk up to him and say, will you vote for me?'" Yeah, that's exactly what I did, Dad. <laughs> so I now call her misrepresentative. Do you have to? Special, she wear a special hat or anything. But are they in? They're I in, don't know if they they're really in do person. Anything. My oldest daughter was president of the middle school when she was eighth grade. She did nothing. I kind of wonder what they're. You have fourth graders back in class though. Yeah. Full time or part time? And for four, a little over four hours. It's oh, a charter good. school. Oh, got it. Got it, got it. That's why it's a charter school. But my uh, 13-year-old goes uh, two and a half hours a day. Which is about, which is about the usable <laughs> amount of time. <laughs> for a junior high kid. I mean, in, my, in some aspects, it might not be that bad, because then she comes home and does a couple hours with the homework. She yes. complains about how much homework she has and think, well, it's, it's kind of... Uh, yeah. I'm yeah. doing homework, too. Most days, I'm working from home. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of wasted time in the classroom. Actually, I remember when my oldest, they put... Uh, you know, Chromebooks in the classroom for the first time, and he quit having homework. And I said, "Why don't you have homework anymore?" He did it during class. And he said, "Do it during did class." You do that in high school, and a little, not a, not a lot. I was really attentive when I was in high school. I was zoomed in. Oh right yeah, on the teacher. <laughs> yeah. I, I, that's bad. That's your tenant, <laughs> particularly for long periods of time. That's why they call Pat me. Pat loves the three-hour meetings. <laughs> that's why they call me the Oak. You do a long Zoom meeting with Pat, and he is right there, engaged a hundred percent on that. <laughs> On that screen. I know. I'm, I'm playing, playing tic tac. You were yelling at someone in your yard the other day. I'm going to do a Zoom call with that. Oh, you, get, you get up. Oh, no, no. I'm like, who are you yelling at? It's hilarious. <laughs> we all have our Zoom moments because I think a lot of oh, us are yes. so. Anyway, oh, let's go to the calls. Because we, we can sit and talk forever. Let, uh, we're talking with I thought I muted myself before I yelled out the. No, you no, did. I did not. <laughs> it's hilarious. Oh, come through the side. I don't know if it was the gardener or somebody was there. There's a guy working on my pool, which sounds pretentious, but I do it have does a pool. Sound pretentious. I do have a pool. I'm going to admit it. All right, let's talk with Tony. Tony, you're with Allworth Money Matters. Thank you so much for taking my phone call. I have a quick question. I've done. I've been doing a lot of reading, and uh, the moral of the story is everything that I keep reading, it says actively manage funds over the long term don't really outperform the S&P 500. Like one article I wrote, I was reading, it said, even after one year, about 65% of actively managed funds don't outperform. And as a 15-year return, almost 92% yep. of actively managed funds don't outperform the S&P 500. Not only With that, that, being said, is, is not only that Tony, to the S&P 500? there are some that say those that have outperformed the S&P 500 or whatever index their underlying index that there would be appropriate for them to track. Uh, maybe it's just a matter of luck, right? You get a hundred people in a room, give them all a quarter and say, I want you to keep flipping a quarter until you get, see how many heads in a row you'll get. Well, some person's going to suddenly like look like a genius. They got heads 10 times in a row. Like they know how to flip a, a head. Uh, exactly. Right. And so it's, some of it, some studies say it's pure luck if you have uh, if you can outperform that. Um, so, th which is why you've seen now the majority of money in mutual funds are in passive investments, act they're index funds. The majority of uh, money in mutual funds and ETFs are in passive products. Is that all money or money going in? Uh, all money in mutual fund, not not all money in equities. No, I understand yeah. that. All money go you know, currently today. Not not flows. Not, not flows, flows. The vast majority. Yeah, the vast majority of yeah. flows are going in. But uh, of just holdings. But in saying that, you may want to use some. It depends on how deep you go into the portfolio because it may make sense to use some around the edges. Active management. Well, that's what I was really edges. wondering because the main article I was reading mainly talked about large cap, but they also talk about mid and small cap. And, you know, there was about 80 to 90 percent on the small cap. Same so thing. is it just better to buy the index for the large cap and mid cap as well? Well, I mean, here at, at Allworth, the majority of our assets are in index funds. 
We use some active okay. managers, actually more in the in the fixed income space. For some reason, we believe that. <laughs> actually, studies have shown that it that. Um, but we have a lot in the index and in fixed income yeah, as well. Yeah, but but we use we'll use actively managed around uh, the edges. And so, the key is to make sure they're low cost active managed. Yeah. So when we say around the edges, if we're using some sort of esoteric debt. Or if we're using some international or small cap international or medium cap international, we'll use those uh, actively managed around because what we're, we're what we're trying to do is actively avoid something, not necessarily buy into something, but we're actually trying to avoid certain things in the active management side. But having most of for the average investor having most of the money into a uh, index fund, there's nothing wrong with that. Nope, nothing at all. Okay. Well, that how is question. how Thank is you. your how are your you how are you currently invested? Uh, I have you know I have most of my money is in the S and P five hundred, and I have uh, in index funds in small and mid and international. So that's kind of why I was wondering. Yeah, you're fine. The challenge is so the challenge on pick. How do you pick? The question is if you're going to use an active manager, how well, do you pick which manager? My, you pick exactly because you don't want to pick the one that was the top performer last year. <laughs> well, that no, just probably like happened to do said, with the asset might classes. The, might have been total luck. Exactly, and that's when I kept seeing that 92 percent. I'm all well. There's no way I can pick the next the next winner. But here's what's it, so here's what's interesting, right? So we look at today where you've got the majority of funds and mutual funds and ETFs are in index funds. Where, according to the studies you just said, 92% or whatever the number is uh, of active managers don't outperform the indexes. At the same time, we have these apps that individual investors are doing that are doing, they're not picking index funds. They're, they're picking individual stocks. The apps are. Or they're the, promoting the, them. The, the, the investors are through yeah, the apps. Yeah, correct, correct. Through Robin the apps, they're promoting them. Even E-Trade, all those things. I mean, not to pick on any particular company. E Trade, they got the ad like investing so easy a baby can do it. That's they said little baby and stuff on that. Like, if no, most... no, and I totally, I totally understand that. And that's why I've always considered myself more of an investor than a trader. Yeah, just perfect. Because I think some, I think some of those apps are really targeted towards traders. But I could be totally wrong. No, no, I think you're right. I think you're right. I think that that's the whole idea behind them. Because the companies actually make money on what's called deal flow. Yeah, that's how they make money. Is on the more deal trades, flow. the better for them. Yes, period. even if it doesn't actually cost anything for a trade, you're like, well, why does this company do it for free? There's a little bit of between the buy and the ask that they get a part of, and that's deal flow. So that's how they make their money. Gotcha. And where sense. is your money? Is it in four hundred one k's, IRAs, brokerage accounts? Um, I've always been mostly self employed, so I have uh, quite a bit of money in a Roth and a traditional IRA. Do you have any employees? No, no. It's it's mainly just a small family-run business. Uh, so you should look at a self-employed four hundred one k. Okay. In terms of solo the, k, a solo k is is in terms of the main uh, vehicle that you're going to accumulate the dollars inside of. So there are two questions that you would go through. One is which tax deferred vehicle is the appropriate one for you? And then the second question is what's the investments internally? And my guess is that if you compared your Roth, Roth IRA, IRA or uh, SEP or any other thing that you'd end up on the solo K is the best uh, vehicle to save dollars on a tax deferred basis. So I would look at that and then I would look at um, the index funds. All righty. Okay, I will do that. Thank you so much. I appreciate All the right. call. Good luck, Tony. And um, it is interesting when there's just a proliferation of individual traders. And some of these, there's there's these uh, infomercials and stuff you hear on these trade different types of trading program. People talk about how much money yeah. they make each day. They follow the trade signals and all that. But this is just, I just think it's, they're, they're selling the same stuff to a whole new crop of consumers that we saw back in 98, 99. Oh yeah, there's no question about right? it. Right? So you go thing. out 23 years later, these people are now aged, you know, 23, 24, 25, 26. It just reminds me of what was for sale back then. And every 10 years, this stuff pops up and we go through one of these little uh, cycles. So here, 
here's an interesting article. We've all we've all seen the studies that our pension plans, government pension plans, are underfunded. Cities they pay every year pay more and more of their budget to fund pensions that should have been funded years ago that weren't, frankly. Uh, the state, same thing. It's the, true across the country. Almost every, not every state, but most states have this problem. San Diego being no different than uh, a lot of other cities uh, had this issue. And so what happened? There was a ballot initiative, Proposition B, in 2012. They went to the voters and said, hey, what do you guys think about us freezing the defined benefit pension plans, the old traditional pension plans, as a city, so we have more money for firefighters and for the police officers, blah, blah. We have more money to spend on services. What do you guys say we freeze any new pensions going forward and instead replace them, we'll, we'll give them a 401k style retirement plan. Which, which is? 80, no, 90% of uh, workers who work in the private sector, that's already what they have. And this isn't unusual that this change, it's just unusual for a county or municipality to be doing it. This took place at companies like IBM. This took place at companies like uh, oh, Southwestern Bell, Pacific Bell, AT&T, all of them throughout the years. This is a very uh, normal business practice to convert from a defined benefit to what they call a defined contribution or 401k style plan. But what happened lawsuits California Supreme Court ruled a couple of years ago that had been placed there illegally because uh, they didn't negotiate with the unions first then it went back into this court into that court and it's starting to look like uh, they got a problem <laughs> and it could cost them millions hundreds of millions of dollars of having to um, go back and fund these it, I just look at this and, and it's yeah. It's listen. It feels like the, the can's just getting kicked further down the. the well, down this the is this goes along with this. Municipal borrowing costs have hit record highs in the year 2020. Borrowing costs have hit record highs. The municipal bond issuance, the borrowing, the borrowing of municipalities borrowing money, has hit the highest level since 2010. Interest rates. And interest rates are lower. They're just borrowing more money. Part of it has to do with refinancing existing debt, but part of it is the response to the COVID and the fact that uh, municipalities are being pressed more and more to provide services. Well, the reality is it's it. interest rates are so low that their interest payments become a smaller and smaller piece of their budgets. So they're like, what the heck? Why don't we borrow some more money? It's the same thing the federal government's doing right now. Yeah. Interest yeah. rates are so low. It's like, what the heck? What's another couple billion, couple trillion dollars? Because the interest payments, a percentage of the federal government that goes to pay for our well, interest is so low right now because interest rates are low. You Even could, though we have almost $30 trillion. You could make that argument, but you're just mortgaging the future. That's that's all you're doing is is you're kicking the can, as you said earlier. Well, I know if my own my household could do the same thing if we wanted, I can go out and take get a big fat mortgage on my house at a really nice low interest rate. I could probably go out. I can get a new car loan, a super low interest rate, get like a nine year loan on that thing. I mean, I you should, but while you're at it, you should go get a loan for a big boat too. You get like a twenty year I get a twenty year loan on, on a, a boat, boat, low interest rate, and a motorhome. Oh, by the way. We can't talk about boat financing anymore. My friend that owns a boat dealership <laughs> asked me not to talk about it. He said, Pat, don't discourage people from getting 20-year loans on boats. He says it's really bad for my business, so please don't By talk the about way, it anymore. The people, the avid listeners of this program are not getting 20 years. Oh, I know. He did ask me not to talk about it, though. That's hilarious. <laughs> he's a good Sorry. He's a good friend of mine. He is. I wonder how I treat friends but, that, I, but, that aren't good right, So his worldview is the fun that families have out in the boats. It's like it's irreplaceable. How do you how do you put a price tag He's, on that? And you're and you, you see too many people. Trying, they get to retirement age. They have a health issue. They can't do their job anymore, and they don't have any money saved up to maintain the same standard of living. His worldview is I offer them 
an alternative, and they're the ones that decide whether they want to do it or not. And his worldview is right. He didn't force anyone to buy the boat. He didn't force anyone to take a 20-year mortgage out on a boat on a depreciating asset. He just offered the alternative, and those I, people— I have no problem with the free markets allowing for 20 exactly. I think None whatsoever. 30 or 40 I do year. have a problem with some of these old, the mortgages that they were doing back in the day. When these amortized, these uh, adjustable rate mortgages, negative mortgages that people, they weren't sophisticated enough to understand how the products worked. It, it had more to do with the consumer than the product itself. The product was too sophisticated for the consumer. It was misrepresented in the marketplace. Misrepresented in the marketplace. Most, most financial products, there's a place for it, but they're often misused. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. Most of them, yeah. All right. Let's uh, go back to calls here because we uh, have calls. We are in Colorado talking with Jonathan. Jonathan, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hey, guys. Um, how are you guys doing today? Fantastic. Great, great. Well, I'm 24 years old and I'm $42,000 in debt. Now, I'm in between on what should I do. So to quickly how, elaborate. How did you get – does that count in student loans? Uh, negative. <laughs> So just to elaborate, it's uh, $28,000 for a new truck, 5000 in credit cards, and 9000 in the collection situation. And um, I was thinking about bankruptcy, but I know that stays in your credit for 10 years. I mean, so anyhow, I have three questions. And if, if I have time, I would love to ask all three. Fire away. The first one. The well, first by the way, being, you're, the fact you're trying to deal with this, good for you. So, And you're 24. You have plenty of time to make up with this. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Um, so my first question would be, what should I do with my truck? Should I get rid of it? What are selling it back where I got it, which was in Florida, uh, trading it in for something smaller once my credit is back up or pay it off aggressively within two to three years? What's your income? Right now, it's at 43000 a year, roughly. All right. What's your second question? Oh, the second question would be, what should I do with my collection situation? Should I fight it in court? Since I believe, and many others believe, that heard of the situation, I was treated unfairly. Or should I just pay it all off? I know nothing about the case behind it, nor am I, I mean, what collections from what? So I have a collections with an apartment uh, complex close to a popular university in Southwest Florida. Um, it's pretty much to just try to keep it uh, simple. Um, I got screwed over on the lease. It's my fault for not reading through the lines, but they didn't want to work any deal with me that I seem that seemed to be reasonable. Um, I told them that I had to work in Colorado at the time and I called them at least two weeks in advance. Yeah, yeah. But you signed a 12 month lease and you left how many months into it? I, 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 I honestly, I didn't even get the keys. I didn't even move into the apartment. You signed the lease though. I signed the lease. Correct. Okay. All right. And then uh, the credit card debts, right? So yes. when did you sign the lease on the property? I was roughly around, um, I would say, August 7th, 2019. Okay. And, and they've turned you to collections already? Uh, yeah, they turned me to collections because I told them that at the time. Have I you tried to make an, uh, an uh, have you offered them any money, the collections agency? Yes, I actually tried to make a cash settlement with them. Well, no, the collections agency, they told me that the best they can do was drop it down to like 7000 and I would have to pay it all at once. No payment plans or nothing. So, um, And, and uh, this lease, the apartment that you signed the lease on, was it full at the time? Were there lots of openings in the apartment? Were there few? What, what, what did it so – what happens is they can only recover for the difference in the – the amount of time that the apartment actually stays know, but empty. But th what they do is they, yours is the last one they actually fill up because they've already got a lease on it. Oh, so we're going to assume that they're good for the whole thing. I think you should uh, visit a bankruptcy attorney. I don't okay. think so. Why? What do you think, Scott? I think, well, look, I think you, this 9,000 collection, you could probably get away with about two grand if they know, if they believe you're about ready to file bankruptcy. And you're going to ruin your credit anyway. If you just okay. have one, uh, well, he's got the the truck and the credit cards. The credit cards, not that you can manage five grand of getting your credit cards paid down over. It'll take a little tightening the belt, but you can clearly do it. The truck, I mean, come on. Yeah, you answered the when question. When I was twenty four, like I drive a nice car now. 
When I was 24, I'm not I'm not exaggerating here. I had a Volkswagen Jetta that had so many miles on it. The motor mounts were broken. I didn't I don't know anything about cars. The, I drove it literally till the motor fell out. I remember that. The <laughs> engine fell out. Uh, I was re I was engaged at the time. I went to, to buy a used car. My wife's with with me. I got the ugliest colored used Camry with velour interior. It was oh, like it was burgundy, that purple. But it was cheap. It was ugly. And it had low miles. I was embarrassed to ride it. <laughs> but, but, like. I drove around in a Hyundai that I bought at a repossession lot and had dents in the front quarter. And I actually put new quarter panels on it, but they didn't match. Both sides were different. I topped that story. I was with Pat. We're we're new in the business. We're trying to pitch some guy on why he should invest his dollars in our brand in our new firm. Actually, it was probably it was before we even started the firm. And your bald tires that looked like they should have been replaced six months earlier, one had become flat. So when we come out, oh, yeah. your car, your used car with the bald tires was flat. Yeah, yeah. I miss those days. So the but the, the point is, like Jonathan, you like, could get through there's this. Time there's a, a time to have a, a new truck. It's not now. Like right. you're not look. You, you can. This isn't that big of a deal, in my opinion. You get you sell that truck or get figure out a way to get out of that truck, whatever it's going to take to get out of that truck. And and then what's it going to take to get out of this collection? Just let them think that you're going to be filing bankruptcy, and you will if you can't. I mean, if they're not going to negotiate at all, at some point in time, you might just say you have no other choice. So they'll take. My guess is the uh, leasing company sold this thing for five hundred bucks or something. The collection agency probably paid 500 bucks for this. So they'll take anything above and beyond that. That's I mean, I mean, it's a total guess on my part. I yeah. might be off of that's. And then the credit card debt, you just put a plan in place and live with to it to get that thing paid off. The nice thing is, Jonathan, seriously, you're a young man. If you're, you've learned from these things, the, the, the most important thing is that you don't repeat these, <laughs> that these are lessons. These are life lessons and you can build from here. Better to have these lessons when you're 24 than when you're 54 or and 64 or look 74. Up, look up Dave Ramsey and uh, consider attending his Financial Peace University. Yeah, so appreciate the call. Yeah, and it's, uh, they, they, well, we were just talking about uh, these long um, uh, boat loans. They, they'll, they don't really care what it costs somebody to, if how much truck they can or can't afford. So, no. Yeah. So, uh, by the way, if you, if you, this is a, even in this midst of this COVID environment when you can't meet face-to-face, you can still, with Allworth Financial, meet with one of our advisors via a video call. Just get a free consultation. We'd encourage you to do it. Go to allworthfinancial.com to learn more about that. We're out of time. We'll see you next week. This has been Allworth's Money Matters. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.